It's my first time. First time. Welcome to Babylon 5 for the first time. Not a Star Trek podcast. My name is Jeff Aiken, and I'm watching Babylon 5 for the first time. And I'm Brent Allen, and I'm also watching Babylon 5 for the very first time. Jeff and I are two veteran Star Trek podcasters watching this show, Babylon 5, for the very first time. And we're searching for Star Trek-like messages. We're applying that lens, that filter of how you analyze and watch science fiction to this show. And we're trying to decide, should we have watched it 30 years ago? But at the same time, we will also tell you this is not a Star Trek podcast. We don't want to talk about Star Trek that much. We want to talk about Babylon 5 because Babylon 5 is awesome and holds its own. That's the Um, show we're watching. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. But as it may be, we may pull in a lot of references from a lot of other shows, not just Star Trek. But Star Trek is the one that tends to come to top of mind for Jeff and I because we are overanalyzing that show as well on other podcasts. So for that. We've decided to institute a little game that Jeff and I like to call three. The, the rule of three. The rule of three. That's a bad name for a game, Jeff. I like Jeff. it. We need, we need a good game name. Any like ideas? Trek three and you're out. I don't know. Trek no babble. There you go. Oh, okay. okay Trek yeah. no babble. That's, if that's not a podcast name, somebody needs to start that podcast. You can have it. That's our gift. Trek no babble. Yeah, you guys take it. Go ahead. Jeff and I already have our own. Anyway. Here's the rule of three, guys. Uh, We're only allowed to make three Star Trek references, and it starts right now. And, Jeff, I'm counting any reference whatsoever that you make in your recap. Usually we let that one slide, Mm. but it starts right now. Any Star Trek messages, any Star Trek references, and you hear this sound, and that's a strike. You only get three of them for the whole episode, and then you can't use it. you got to squirm and find a different way to talk about your example of what you're trying to say. One of my favorite things are the people who on Twitter or emails or YouTube comments buzz themselves when they make references. It's pretty cool. But Brent, we have a five-star review. Yes. This review is on Apple Podcasts. It's from TSF76. And TSF76 says, Babylon 5 is one of my favorite series of all time. And for reasons I can't yet describe as I'm avoiding spoilers, thank you, it had a huge impact on my adolescence and young adulthood. As a lifelong Trek fan, I absolutely love hearing fellow Trekkers enjoying B5. This podcast is not only the best of both worlds, it's a fun way to revisit our Earth Force heroes, ambassadors, and, well, other characters who will soon visit our last best hope. And I guarantee you, everyone who visits are bad guys for the episode because that's how it works. That's what the um, opens are. So TS, TS, TSF 76. Hey, TSF 76. I would love to ask you to do something. Would you please email in and let us know without spoilers, how Babylon five had an impact on you as Trek fans. We often hear about how star Trek literally has saved people's lives or how it's inspired them in their career choice, or whatever it did. But I've never really heard about that, honestly, about any other show. So I'd love to know 
without spoilers, what it was that Babylon five did for you that inspired you as a kid, uh, you know, coming up when you were watching it. You can email us at our website, Babylon five first.com. It's the number five and the word first There's a little contact button there. Just, yeah, I would love. And if, and if you're okay with it, we'd love to share your story. If you're not okay with that, we're okay with that too. Brent, we have another five star review. Two? Yes. Two this time. This one from Sherlock 42 on Apple Podcasts. Sherlock 42 says, as a seasoned B5 fan, this is amusing and insightful to hear. Thanks, Sherlock. Jeff, I'm going to start using that. We are amusing and insightful to hear. I'm going to tell my wife that. (laughs) Hey, babe, (laughs) you know I'm amusing and insightful. It says right here on the internet. (laughs) Right there. (laughs) On YouTube, uh, back on our Death Walker episode, I had to pull. This was such a, like, this one really hit me. That was such a great episode. Uh, Okay, so I think Death Walker so far is one of our most popular episodes. And it was just a great episode. Yeah. No, I think it is our, it's our most viewed episode. And and probably downloaded, you have those numbers on the the other side. Yeah. It it is currently our top top rated uh, uh, episode. Yeah, says a lot about the quality there. But this one, mm-hmm. Dominion Spy. Dominion Spy on YouTube said, for what it's worth, I think you two are ready for immortality. Isn't that cool? Nice. Ah. Although I got to tell you, I've, I've seen enough uh, shows out there. I don't know if I want immortality. Right. Yeah, I I agree. I Yeah. I welcome a cold embrace when it's time. Mm-hmm. When it's time. When it's time. Yes, please. Yeah. When it's time. <laughs> and hopefully it's like in like quite a while. Right. Yeah. One more on Twitter. You can follow us on our Twitter at Babylon first, but Norman Lau at lounge lizard. Hey, I know that name. Yeah, you should know that name. Yeah. We'll say hi to Norman. I don't know if we'll tell you he's from a great podcast. Um, I don't want to, should I burn one of my references? (laughs) I feel backed into a corner here. I'm going to, I'm going to Norman, Norman for you, for you, I'm going to do it. Norman Lau's co-host of arguably the biggest Star Trek podcast out there, Mission Log. God, that's how much I care about you, Norman. Like that's, <laughs> I bur- I only got two left, and I'm looking at my recap to make sure I'm going to be okay. I don't have to do any edits. But he had a great comment on on Twitter when he said Londo and Jakar were so fully realized by Peter and Andreas right out of the jump gate which gave them so much room to move past figuring out their respective characters and move right into nuances and layering. They had the best B5 character relationship, hands down, period. I, so far, I agree, Norman. Um, 100%. Like, it, I mean, Jeff and I talk about it. Every time they're on screen, whether they're together or they're apart, they chew the scene. Like, they are the scene. And, you know, today's episode was Londo and Jakarlis, although we did get Natoth. Uh which is great. But always great. we were we were Jakar and Londo list, which just is always sad. But yeah, we we love it. We're we're some big Londo and, and Jakar fans here. Big time. You know one of my favorite things about uh, speaking of that relationship because it comes directly from that. My new favorite gif that I try to send as often as I can is do you remember back during the episode I want to say it was Grail. That was the one where um Jakar was looking for the flower mm-hmm. and Londo had it and he was holding it over his head. And it's, it's that scene where Londo like goes into the elevator and he's waving like this. Like, I love <laughs> this gift. <laughs> it's so good. It's so, it's, so, I try to use it every time I can. Cause I know what it means now. 
Right. Yeah. Well, he was waving because he couldn't couldn't hold his fingers in a different way because it was ne- network TV. <laughs> yep. Right. Right. They <laughs> so good. Bandit. Sure. Thanks, Norman, and everybody else who's commented. Do we have any more? That's all I've got for this week. Okay. Uh, we love getting them right. YouTube, Twitter, our website. Just send them in. We love sharing them on here. And if you want to hear our our favorite drop, oh, yes. Five star review on Apple Podcasts will get you one of those. There you go, Jeff. I have something that I have to share. Oh, okay. So one of our listeners uh, sent in um, some information that this week to me, and you know how like I've for weeks now I have been on the I don't like Sinclair train. Oh yeah, and I mean I think we talked about last week. Like I don't know if it's Sinclair or if it's the actor portraying him. Or what's going on, but it's just not okay, right? Yeah, it's been not good. And you've been pretty clear on, yeah, <laughs> on, yeah. on the acting in there. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of make fun of him a little bit on some of my my reaction videos and stuff. So anyway, this listener reached out in, in, in a non-spoiler way, which I really appreciate. Thank you. Let me in on some information that I think is worth sharing. Uh, that apparently during a, particularly this part of the season – on forward, mm-hmm. the actor was going through some really bad mental health stuff. Oh, um, and I, I believe they said something like even, even like paranoid schizophrenia or, or some like it was really bad. And there was something about like they kept it a secret, and then like JMS shared it after the actor died, and that was actually the actor's wishes oh, wow. to do that. But anyway, there's, there's all this stuff surrounding it now. He didn't tell me anything that happens going forward, but he did say that particularly during this time, that's what the actor was dealing with. So that was pretty heavy. And so first of all, you know, I'm a big believer that when you do something, you make amends in that same forum. So since I have said stuff here, I'm going to say what I'm going to say here. Uh, If I've offended anybody in my comments about Michael O'Hare, I'm really sorry. And uh, that was never my intent. And going forward, while I think it's absolutely fair to discuss what's happening with the character of Sinclair, uh, I know for at least me personally, Jeff, I can't speak for you, although I know you well enough to say you're going to do this too. I'm just going to forego talking about the acting side yeah. of, of the whole thing and just understand that that's a thing that's going on um, with him. Uh, again, I don't know what happens going forward. I don't know if he gets over it or or what happens. But, uh, you know, the, the thing is, like, I could go forward and, and just kind of keep pretending I didn't know out of ignorance the way that the original viewers didn't know mm-hmm. what was going on. But the fact is we are recording this 30 years later and somebody reached out and said, hey, you just so you know. So that being said. Thank you to the person who reached out and said that to me. No, I have a lot of feelings right now, and, and I'm kind of sorting through them. I, I'll, I'll tell you what's on my mind right up front, and we're not, we won't make the whole episode about this. I mean, I, I feel like I feel like I could, um, but I mean for for somebody in a lead role, right on a, mm-hmm. on a on a show, yeah. for someone who's the lead of that to be struggling with mental health in a time where you did not like, yeah, he probably couldn't tell it. He probably couldn't tell anybody. Right, he's probably suffering and. Yeah, my mind's going a lot of. So I guess I guess what I'll say is I agree, Brent. We we can talk about Sinclair, um, hands off on on Michael O'Hare through this. Yeah, I also kind of want to get on my platform, and I just want to tell people that if now's not 1994, right? So if you're struggling with your mental health, there's a lot of things you can do to get help. And I'll put myself out there if you just need someone to talk to. 
or anything, you can you can get me on the Twitter or the whatever. My personal Twitter is at Jeff T. Aiken. Feel free to reach out. Your mental health's a big deal. And yeah, uh, yeah no, thanks for sharing that. I and Jeff, it. if I could if I could add on to that, uh, particularly to those who are of our age, Jeff. Yeah. who find themselves, yeah. you know, uh, in their forties, maybe their fifties, late thirties, wherever, wherever you are. And if you suspect something may be happening as I did about a year ago, please, please schedule with your doctor. You call your primary care. That's all you gotta do. Call your primary care and just say, Hey, I need to talk. And they will help set you up with whatever the right next step is. Also kind of in the same vein of what Jeff just said, I know what I needed when I was dealing with this a year ago for the very first time, getting diagnosed with clinical depression was for me. I needed a stranger. I needed somebody I didn't know. I needed somebody who didn't know me. And uh, there was somebody within the Star Trek community who was willing to just tell me their experience and, and help me like with what, what the right next steps were. And uh, for that person's privacy, I'm not going to shout them out, but I'm happy to be that stranger for you guys out there. If that's your case um, at Brent Allen live on social media, Jeff can be that stranger for you. Uh, but whatever you do, even if you suspect, maybe it's not, but if you suspect, please just get help. Yeah. Yep. On that light note. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. And thanks to the listener that shared that. It's really yeah. important. And, and I just want to echo again, Brent said, I'll say it as well. I, I apologize. I'm sorry. If anything we said impacted anybody. Yeah. We just didn't know. But now we know. Yeah. So, and I will just pivot and right, back into right. the show. All right. Well, here we go. In today's episode, we are discussing the episode Legacies. And Jeff, while you and I may have just watched this like 10 minutes ago, why don't you tell the folks out there who haven't seen it in a while or maybe the people who are just listening to us anyway who've never watched the show at all, tell us about this episode. Stand by. We'll be right back. Are you ready to take your Babylon 5 for the first time experience to the next level? With our exclusive Patreon, you'll get access to all kinds of cool stuff that you can only find there. Our recording notes, unedited reaction videos, an exclusive Discord community. And you can even be listed as a producer of the show. Plus, we even offer exclusive meet and greets and hangouts. You won't find this kind of experience anywhere else. Get all these amazing benefits, plus the opportunity to interact with other fans from around the world. It's being part of a huge community where everyone shares the same appreciation for Babylon 5. Subscribe at patreon.com slash Babylon 5 first. That's the number five in the word first to get access to these incredible benefits. That's patreon.com slash Babylon 5 first. We can't wait to see you there. Well, there's another one from DC Fontana, and yes, that means it's a dense one. It's a young street urchin from down below, Elisa Belden. She does a little shoplifting and gets hit with a mind burst. It's kind of like puberty for a telepath that develops the talent later in life. Well, Talia Winters, remember Talia, the telepath? Yeah, she's around. And Ivanova's there too, and they both help her out, and the battle for her soul begins. Talia's prepping to uh, ship her off to Psychor, while Ivanova takes on the personal mission of finding her any other option by any means necessary. 
holding her for shoplifting, selling her off to the Narn, and meeting with the Minbari are all on the table. And speaking of the Minbari, the military leader that almost took them to victory over Earth has died. Shy elite Branmer's body is on a war cruiser and is touring the galaxy as a monument to war. Elite Naroon, who appears to be a graduate from the Benzane School of Acting, by the way, is leading the cruiser and seems to be itching for any reason to get into a fight with Sinclair and the humans. The viewing ceremony begins, and just like Vincent Vega opening Marcellus Wallace's briefcase, all we see is a little light shining out of the coffin. But this time, we are not cool. No, we are not cool at all. You see, Branmer's body is missing. And this, despite the fact Naroon wouldn't let anyone except for his Minbari soldiers stand guard there. Garibaldi launches a full-scale investigation that takes him to Natoth, some carrion eaters or Pakmara, scavengers, and others. During the investigation, Delenn shares with Sinclair that Branmer was religious caste and became a war leader because of the holy war against Earth that started because of the murder of Ducat. Remember Ducat from that Soul Hunters episode? Yeah, I'm honestly blocked most of that one out too. Well, she also shares that it was the religious caste that issued the surrender order, and to this day, there's a rift between the castes over that. The investigation turns up nothing. But Elisa Belden, remember her? Well, she meets with Delenn and learns what it means to be a telepath with the Minbari. Sounds pretty sweet. But she reads Delenn's mind and sees what happens to Branmer. Delenn. Delenn stole the body and cremated it. Sinclair confronts her. She says she was fulfilling Branmer's final wishes. She comes clean to Naroon about it, who has been threatening Babylon 5 and even, even got into a fist fight with Sinclair. But they agree to tell everyone that his body was transformed and Branmer's a god now. And by agree, <laughs> I mean that Delenn spoke for the entire Grey Council and ordered him that this is what's going to happen. Naroon apologizes to Sinclair and he finds a new respect for him and even thinks that maybe, just maybe, they were right to not eradicate humans from the universe. Elisa decides to skip out on Psychor and agrees to ship off to the Minbari. But before she does, she shares a word with Sinclair, a word that is such a big deal. Delenn blocked her from her mind as soon as she saw it. And that word is chrysalis. Now, Brent, what did you think of Legacies? DC Fontana is awesome! Yes. Yes, she is. I... As soon as I saw that name, and I like, I make it a point to check out the writers now. Um, as soon as I saw that name, I I lost it because like you just know it's going to be a good episode when she writes it. You know, it's going to be thick. It's going to be full. It's going to be plot heavy. One of the things I really liked about this was usually JMS, so far at least as we've experienced, like he tends to save the the big pushing the plot forward episodes for himself. And he kind of farms out these other episodes to, to other people. But I feel like this was a big pushing the plot forward kind of yeah. an episode, even though it wasn't necessarily the main theme of the episode. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but gosh, this episode, I, I mean, it's it's a detective story at its heart, right? Like that's that's what it is. And through that plot device, we, we found out. And again, got some more questions, but we got some more answers about the Mimbari and the Great Council and what happened with with Sinclair. And 
there's this whole rift between uh, Talia and Ivanova that we really haven't seen since the first episode, Midnight on the Firing Line, right? Like, yeah. like we haven't really seen it since then, and all of a sudden it's come back, and it's a thing. And I can't say that I loved this episode, but I really, really liked this episode. I liked what it did. I liked where it went. Uh, there was just some neat stuff in it, and frankly, I don't, I don't know that I have a ton of notes because I was just in the episode. Wow. How about you? I um, <laughs> I didn't like this one. Whoa. Yeah, I did not. I found it hard to watch. Really? Um, yeah. I, I can't. I can't describe it. So I watched it the first time, and I just as I was watching it, I just had a feeling. I don't know something, and I just mm-hmm. it was uncomfortable. And I thought maybe it was just maybe the way I was watching it, you know, where, I don't know, something. So when I watched it the second time and really started taking my notes on it, same thing. Mm-hmm. And I think, and, and this, I don't know, it's, it's a kind of a petty note after what we just talked about a minute ago, but mm-hmm. um, near the end, like Sinclair, Sinclair is only peppered through this episode and he's used, I think he's used pretty sparingly mm-hmm. uh, throughout this one, but every time he's on screen, he looks sweaty and uncomfortable like mm. you know what i mean like sometimes like if you drank too much coffee and didn't eat enough breakfast you know and you, he had that look and that's kind of how i felt through this whole episode the he does i mean as you say that he does tend to seem to be moist like yeah like to the point that like the 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 makeup people are spritzing him down before the camera rolls is kind of what it looks like you, you do see that quite a bit with him but that said if i had read this episode, it would have been amazing. I, I think mm. what it did and the the nuggets that it dropped for us, especially about the Minbari, uh, yeah. huge, huge, yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah, that was good. I I, uh, I love that Natoth. I love that we got some Natoth again. It's been way, way too long since we've seen her. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, I don't know. I like I'm trying to sit there and go, what didn't I like about this episode? And there's a like, I, I just, I, I'm not sure where you're coming with that. And so yeah. I, I'm sure we'll get into all that. Um, cause this is one of those, like, I like the, I like the reveal of this at the end mm-hmm. that, you know, here's Delenn like, this is a great dishonor commander and whatever she says. And then like, it's her the whole time, yeah. you know, and her people. And, you know, this is one of those rare instances where an A plot and a B plot join together perfectly and, and impact each other. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so, so good. But even the, the, the pieces that get dropped that for two people like us who analyze science fiction shows, the way that we do, oh, there's just a lot to chew on here. And that might be what I'm kind of clinging to. It's possible that I just like it just because it's DC Fontana and that's it. That could be it. I'll fully acknowledge that. But a couple of things I want to point out some, maybe just side things that I noticed. Membari ears. Mm-hmm. I've never noticed them before this episode, but their ears are on their neck. Have you seen that before now? Like under their little, I don't, I don't know what that headdress thing is, but it's yeah. like, yeah, it's just down under the jaw. Yeah. Like the makeup people, like whenever they put this thing on, cause obviously their ears are in normal spots because they're humans playing a role, but they have made up ears down here. <laughs> I've just yeah. never known. Like it was so like I, it, they were so prominent on Naroon, and then when like it flashed back to Delenn, I noticed him on her mm-hmm. too, and I was like, "Whoa!" Well, did you notice too with Naroon how 
he and like all the other soldiers, the headdress, I don't, I don't, I wish I knew what that was. And frankly, if it's not a spoiler, I'm okay with you telling us what that is, yeah. but whatever that headdress thing is like for Narun and the other ones, like it was winged and pointy. It was a different shape. Yeah. It was a different shape. And I had a note about that, that like, I wonder if this is a, a difference between the warrior cast and the religious cast. Yeah. I thought that because the lens kind of like comes up into a point and his ha- makes like a V or like a W almost yeah. like it's more spiky. Like you would expect for a warrior. And Lanier's does the same as the lens. It's kind of a right. softer pointier. And so I thought I had the same thing. Oh, is it because like genetically they're genetically predisposed to their cast, but then, then Delen like breaks down a little bit where, uh, Branmer was, um, what he was a warrior by his father and religious by his mother. Yeah. So it's like you inherit it, but, but all, yeah, I don't know. There, there, a lot more depth to the cast system in this one. Yeah. And so, and I've got, I want to ask questions about the whole mother father thing here, but what I'm still unclear on is, is that headdress removable or is that a part of their body? Um, because, and I go all the way back to the gathering where it was like the same color, same yeah. tone as their body, but since then it clearly looks metal. So I'm, I'm, Kind of to say, no, it doesn't, but is it maybe a part of their body? I just don't know. I like, I haven't seen it one way or the other just yet, but it kind of reminded me of Klingon headridges. Yeah. Yeah. And you remember like, like they got really good with the headridges that various families, Yep. like Worf and Alexander had the same headridges, the, the uh, Duras, Duras family, they mm-hmm. had same, same headridges, different things like, like, so that they were cognizant of what they were doing with those head ridges in star trek i wonder if that's maybe it's less warrior cast versus religious cast and maybe is it more familial but i don't think linear and and delin are related so maybe not like mm. i don't know I, I i don't know why i'm so intrigued by the head pieces but i am and i notice it every time they're on screen well i think i think we're learning little bits about the different races like we learned about mm-hmm. the narn and the pouches right you know a couple episodes ago and which is i'm still like okay they still look like lizards to me and then in this one about the the headdresses and then seeing the ears and uh-huh. the fact that they were the same color in the gathering and they changed them leads me to think that they're part of them like it's a right a part of them and they just wanted them to stand out more so they got a couple extra bucks and could do do the makeup a little better, but yeah, like, what do they mean? Is there a status to them? Like there are for the Centauri and their, you know, Vidal Sassoon hair, hair setups that they've got there. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about the mother, father and cast thing a little bit? Yeah. Let's talk about the mother father thing because we, as you said, we learned a lot more about Mimbari culture in this one, very indirectly, mm-hmm. I might add. And there's, a, there's this big piece and we've heard it before the warrior cast and the religious cast. And, if we remember before, like there's a thing where they should never agree because if they agree, then it's bad for the whole galaxy. Apparently, well, we saw that, right? Yeah, it was bad for Earth, very bad, right? Um, remind me of the mother father thing because I want to circle back to that after we talk about this. So here's a question that I have: We learned towards the end that it was in fact the Gray Council that called off the Warrior cast. Yeah. So the Gray Council is a part of the religious cast. And they were the ones who called off the warrior cast from attacking. And Naroon said something to the effect of that. They decided that it, or he said something to the effect like the great council was, they had decided to, that all species should be allowed to live. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like they were about to wipe off humanity 
and they decided that all species should be about should should have the right to live. So did that have something to do with the decision to pull back? You know, like, yeah. I, like, I don't, I don't know. Like, am I reading too much into that one little line? That's I don't kind think of so. a throwaway deal. I don't think you are. Cause if you, we take what we learned I and mean, we learned all this in this episode that right. Ducat was murdered and mm-hmm. the humans earth sees that as a horrible, tragic mistake, but the right. Minbari saw it as an act of war. And that's what led to what we found out here. It was a, a holy war. Like it was a holy war. It was a holy war. Yeah. And Branmer was a high priest of the religious caste and moved mm-hmm. over which I've got questions on, like moved over to be a war leader, a warrior leader mm-hmm. and, and led the charge against earth. And I think that that line that I don't think is so throwaway about letting the other species live and that the great council and the religious caste who declared a holy war were the ones that said, well, we're going to surrender. But the warrior mm-hmm. caste was all in at that point. Right. So it's, so I don't know, as I see it now, like, and with the stuff with Naroon, Naroon kind of leading the warrior cast, their hope is to like, I don't know that to them, the war ever really ended. So then here comes the other question that I have. She started ordering him. Like she pulled this card on him and all of a sudden he snapped real quick, like gr- through gritted teeth. But still he was like, yes, Satai Delin. Yeah. He cowered. Yes, ma'am. Satai. Yeah, like he bowed to her and stuff like that. You know, it it just it got real formal real quick. And so my question then comes: what is it that the religious caste has over the warrior caste? What kind of control is it? Why does this control exist? Because apparently, like that's a they bow down to the to the religious caste. Like, do they hold something over them? I think it's more a hierarchy system. So I, we're, I, we're, I'm making the assumption, I think you are too, that the Great Council is religious caste and the Great Council seems to be the ruling body mm-hmm. of the Minbari. She said, and this is kind of wrapping it to the, the mother and father thing a little bit. He says he's warrior caste by his father. And she's like, and he's religious by his mother. And you know which takes precedence. Oh, I missed that. But I had the question of, is it that religious caste takes precedence or is it that the mother's caste takes Ooh, precedence? But my, yeah. my assumption based on everything else is that it's the religious religious caste is always going to be hierarchically above the, the warrior caste. So all of those questions come up. The, the gray council, the religious caste obviously holds a big, huge sway over the warrior caste, but they're still supposed to be never agreeing on anything. Mm-hmm. So, with mom and dad getting together each from a different cast, you get the idea that that doesn't happen very often. Yeah. Is this a Romeo and Juliet situation for him? Wow. Like, and is this going to be something that comes back? Like, is this showing a way that they can come together? Because this guy can have that, like he can live in both worlds. Mm-hmm, exactly. Because of it, you know, it makes him perfect for this Holy war, right? I'm a high priest and I get this also, I'm this incredible military strategist and warrior. And so I am custom built for this war. I, you know, and I'm, I just want to go back to my prediction from last week about what this episode should be. Here it is. (laughs) You ready? Yeah. Okay. First of all, I totally said, I totally called out. This was Sinclair and the Mimbari. Totally. Yep. hundred percent. But I also launched a new theory. Now, honestly, I was kind of grasping at straws and just kind of pulling something out of the air there. And now I'm going to double down on that. I said last week that Sinclair is part Mimbari. Yeah. And that's why he was so important. And that's why they pulled him into the lead Babylon five and all of this stuff. 
what we just see here is what if Branmer and Sinclair are like no related? Somehow? No. <laughs> what if I'm just oh yeah. like like you know we're, we're talking like Spock and Cybok here exactly. or Burnham. I'm glad you burned because I was going to the same place. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, wouldn't that be great? Like the two commanders on the front line are, are brothers, like battling it out. Right. And, you know, and um, that's why they brought him in. Brandmer's like, bring this guy in. And the great council's like, okay. Yeah. They both had a vested interest in Sinclair. The whole war, the whole yeah. war was built to bring in Sinclair and set up this thing. I found a reason to back up your claim as well. Yes. What is it? So at the very end, this is my new pet theory. So, <laughs> and, I, and I love it. I'm all in at this point, but at the very end, um, and we'll talk about what Sinclair said that led to this. When we get to our closing thoughts, I'm sure we both have it listed in here, but Naroon apologizes to Sinclair. Sinclair says a cool thing about not fighting and talking, but I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm going to interrupt you. Nope. That was a great apology, by the way. It was a perfect, like, perfect being forced and ordered to do it. It was a perfect apology. Yeah. He was humble. Uh, he said what he did wrong, um, why he did it, how he's not going to do it again. I mean, perfect. He, uh, but then to cap it all off, he says, you speak like a Minbari commander because you are a Minbari. He did. He, oh, he uh, did. Sinclair's a Minbari. They're dropping the little pieces everywhere. I'm telling you. <laughs> And that's oh, that's what the chrysalis thing is. It turns you from a human oh into a Mimbari or back the other way around. It chrysalis is Sinclair. Oh, he is the chrysalis. Yes, <gasps> and Delenn knows because that. Oh my God, Brent, this is it. the whole war. <laughs> he was, is the chrysalis. He is the whole war was built to bring him in. Delenn is on Babylon Five for the sole purpose of watching for the moment they're ready to cocoon him or whatever and let him become the chrysalis that he then launches and emerges as this new like he is transforms into a god like Branmer apparently oh did there it is okay okay so just, there, there's another question though we're going to say that his body was transformed yeah does that happen is this something that we talk about a lot on Mimbar? does it ever actually happen or do they really go steal bodies cremate them and then just tell people that their body transformed and like this is a thing like What's up with that? Yeah, that was that hit me. And I think what hit me the most on it was like, because she's saying it, right? Like, oh, I'll just, I was just going to tell him this. But then she does. And he's like, okay. Yeah, sounds good. Right. <laughs> People totally buy this. It works. Is the religious cast lying to the warrior cast? I mean, wow. You, there's some parallels you might be able to draw there if you <laughs> you want to roll with it. Oh, I love, I, oh, theories coming together. I like it. I like it. And it's totally backed up objectively by everything in the episode so far. No one can prove us wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. until other episodes come out. So I, I want to get to the end of this, but I think we'd be better served. We got to talk about Alyssa yeah. um, before, because I, I think, uh, you know, the end of this is really going to be the end of our conversation on it. So let's go over and talk about Alyssa. So we get this new girl who really reminded me of a very young Rosalind Chow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Like that's okay. what I, that was the vibe I was getting from her was a young Rosalind Chow and boy, she felt it to me. <laughs> um, but so she gets this mind burst and like, I see like Ivanova's chasing after her right after she steals this thing. And then Talia looks at her. Like I thought Talia like shot something at her I did like mentally. And I was like, Whoa, she got a mind blast. I'm like, from you, like, did you do something? 
Right. But then she, no, turns out it's just puberty's like, that was the moment her powers decided to activate. And I'm thinking back to like Jubilee during the X-Men, the first remember yeah. X-Men, the animated series back in the nineties, mm-hmm. like, you know, just they all purity just onsets all of the stuff, yep. but this sets up the whole Ivanova versus Talia thing. And we really dive back into Ivanova and her issues with Psychor mm-hmm. and Talia Despite what happened with Ironheart, who got a shout out in this episode. Yep, yep. And she's like, don't you talk about him, right? Despite what happened there, Talia's still very pro Psychor. Yeah, I had a hard time buying that. Why does she have black gloves? Is that a thing? She had them. Bester had them. Harriman Gray had them. I think it's a yeah. thing for Psychor telepaths i think it's a like, thing is it like if they touch somebody bad stuff happens to them or something it's a way to well control. we i think i think in the gathering when lita alexander went to you know put her hand into kosh she took her glove off like it intensifies right right or like it's like a, oh here's another x-men reference for you good thing we're not counting these like like uh, with rogue mm-hmm. you, know, you touch them and like you zap you know, suck in their life force or anyway um I will say that I think I've mentioned this before, but it was so prominent in this episode. I'll bring it up again. I really like the Psychor badge. Yeah. Like, I don't want to be a part of Psychor. I don't want to go sporting that. But the fact that the Psychor badge is the letter Psy. Pretty cool. Right. Like, that makes a lot of sense. I, yeah. If you didn't know what it was, you just think cool logo. But if you do know what it is, like, You're like ah, that, yeah. see what you did there. I see what you did there. But anyway, so here's a new lady Ivanova's like i'm gonna charge her we haven't wrapped up her criminal stuff yet mm-hmm. and then how long did it take you jeff before you're like this is just ivana trying to keep her out of psycho she doesn't care anything for the charges oh, four, four seconds like it was oh really yeah like it immediately took me longer really it like, took me way longer yeah no I, immediately i was just like I, I think it was her facial reaction and then it was um when Alyssa woke up and she was like oh you mean like your mom like and she just immediately it's like yeah like this is a personal mm-hmm. and then she just outright said it to sinclair right i have a personal matter come this is not a personal matter this is a matter of station security and you know and you helping prosecute a criminal oh but it's personal i had a real problem i mean i get why she made it personal yeah but also i mm, like I, I feel like she should be i don't know it's, it's weird like maybe it's not weird given what just happened right in eyes with everything maybe that's maybe that's mm-hmm. close in proximity but it just kind of felt out of character for ivanova to like pick this kid this is where i'm going to fight my battle right here right i mean so as far as the criminal charges let's be honest those criminal charges would be a little bit overblown this is a juvenile who is doing some low level shoplifting yeah this is not a, a deal for the commanding for the commander of the station to deal with or the the lieutenant commander of the station yeah. and if she was going to prosecute her for any crime it should be her acting right. uh, sorry i mean this is this is, well like i said a young rosalind chow just saying uh this would barely even be a blip on garibaldi's radar right to be quite frank with you like this is this is go give them to the what was it what was the judge guy called the uh the ombuds the ombud yeah, yeah. like j- just let it roll through that. She's going to get a slap on the wrist. She's not going to spend any time in holding cells or anything like that. And she's going to go right back out there and she's going to go on the streets. And I mean, this girl's Aladdin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right? what she is. She's a street urchin. She's, she's Aladdin. Mm-hmm. Those people and a, and a 250,000 plus population. Those people exist. It's just a part of it. So yeah. is it station security? No. 
like so the the fact that Ivanova is keeping that I really it had to be personal you know and it's Ivanova's like I'm not letting this girl go down that path at least not without knowing what's really going on I kind of like that Ivanova took that on herself yeah yeah I don't know because it wasn't it wasn't about station security she was using that as her like excuse it was one of the options right it's like hey if I can't do these other things i can arrest you and i can lock you up and make your trial take forever so you don't go to psychor right but i don't i don't know i mean i i get it i understand it but i also feel like i don't know maybe i'm totally off off base on this but for her to have come this far in her career is this the first time she's ever run into somebody who's now displaying her powers and, and she's like i'm planting my flag here this one this one doesn't go this might be this might be the first time that she's ever met somebody at the onset of their powers. Yeah, maybe. And that, and that she has any real ability to do anything about it. It might be, I don't know. It might. Yeah. I don't know. It just, it, 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 it feels contrived to me, the whole mm-hmm. thing. What I will say though, to get off of Jeff bagging on this whole thing mm-hmm. is I really appreciated her creativity in finding other options, right? Like, sure. <laughs> especially going to the Minbari, like that should have been step number one. Mm-hmm. For some reason, for some reason, she went to Natoth. <laughs> that was a great scene, though. I I loved. Now, see, I thought, like, I got the feeling that Natoth came to the girl and Ivanova didn't know. Either way, either way, she mm-hmm. goes there. I loved that scene, though, because it was a direct callback to the gathering when Jakar was like, listen, right, we can get your tissue samples or, you know, I could be kind to you and we could we could do this the old fashioned way. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the one way is, you know, it's more time and it's more money and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, we'll do it. Yeah. So, but hey, reminder that the that the Narn don't have tele they're the only species without telepaths, which I don't believe is going to be something that lasts. And they're still trying to get their hands on telepaths, which I think they absolutely eventually will. Yeah, I agree. It'd be weird it'd be weird if they didn't. They'll find somehow some way to get there. I mm-hmm. I want to know what she saw in Natat's mind. Like she was repulsed by just touching it a little bit. So I'm, I mean, I can imagine, you know, all day long. What do you think it was? Was it just the Toth is generally an evil person and that's what she saw? Or is it like, did she actually see the home world and the home world is just screwed up and you don't want to go there? I think that she saw like death and murder and, you know, I think that Natoth and Jakar, Natoth maybe more, because Natoth is like a unsharpened version of Jakar. Right. So, you know, whereas okay. Jakar is going to, he, he still just wants to burn your world and carve your bones into flutes, but mm-hmm. you know, he'll work, he'll work the diplomatic avenues and the, the, you know, kind of work around this. Natoth is like, Nope, I got a sledgehammer. I'm swinging it and I'm going to burn your home world down. Like that's going to happen. <laughs> and I think that's what she saw. Okay. Just, you see the person, I mean, that's, that's who Natoth is, right? Mm-hmm. Like totally like we like her, but Natoth will, Natoth will st- She'll cut you, man. She will grab a <laughs> screwdriver and st- or a wrench and beat you over the head <gasps> when you're a massive war criminal. Yeah. But that was one of my favorite scenes of the awesome. show so far. Oh, man. So she good. beat that girl down. <laughs> so she goes off. She finds out something about the Mimbari. And so she's going to be able to go stay with the Mimbari now, which that seems like a much better option. By the way, speaking of learning about Mimbari culture, this seems really cool. This seems really like, hey, we could learn something from this today. Yep. This, you talk about Star Trek, this sounded incredible. I mean, I'm talking season finale of season one of Next Generation. 
bonk, bonk, here's what we are trying to yep. preach to you. People who serve others, if they're going to do that, then we are going to do what it takes to meet their needs. We will provide clothing and housing and food, and then we will leave them alone to do what they're called to do. It is a small price to pay for what they do for our society. That's cool. I love the way they played it too, where at first uh, uh, Melissa was just like, well, I mean, I don't get paid for this. Right. And Delenn's like, oh, it is so like, it is so much better than getting yeah. paid. Like not only are you gonna be well taken care of, there's honor and dignity and you will be serving, you know, your, it was, yeah, that was, that was super cool. And I think it says a lot that at the end of all of that, she, that's what she, and she chose to yeah. do that kind of on her own. Right. Cause her question to yeah. Sinclair was like, Hey, you think they'll be upset if I decide to go with them in Bari? She made that choice on her own. I thought that was a really important moment that she did that. They let a 14 year old make a choice, uh, a life choice on their, on her own. I don't, I don't know. Uh, it's a good thing. Dr. Franklin wasn't in charge of uh, who was making decisions. Right? Then. He would have forced her to do something. He would yeah. have forced her into psycho or something. That was just a, yeah, that was a cool line. The only question I then have is, so are the Membari who do that, like, are they so altruistic that people don't take advantage of that system? And how do you monitor that? Or do you allow people to take advantage of the system so that you actually get the people that do it for real? Right. Yeah. Like you, ex you accept that. Yeah. Knowing that you'll catch the other. Yeah. Are telepaths in both casts? Because I feel like a warrior cast telepath would be a very different thing. Yeah. Can you move between casts? I think so. I mean, a lot of times, a lot of times you're not supposed to, right? It's whatever you're born into, but. But if you're a high priest, if you're a high priest, well, I don't know. Cause I mean, it wasn't clear that he became warrior cast. He just led the warrior cast. I don't know. So a little bit of Brent history. I know my family goes all the way back to what is it? 1061. When my great, 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 whatever grandfather was a cardinal in France, Viking France. And he got together with the Norman, uh, uh, Charles William, William, the conqueror. Sounds right. Sounds right. The guy who came over the channel and like conquered yeah. England and mm -hmm. brought them all together. Yeah. He was William, the conqueror's like personal Cardinal, but he also like commanded William, the conqueror's army. And he was, he was known like to be much better as a military commander than he was as a Cardinal. Okay. And in fact, okay. he got brought up on charges as a Cardinal with the, the, the people for some stuff. But that's, that's where my family goes. That's how my family not just came to America. Forget that. I know how my, English people came to England. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm just saying the idea that a priest actually is also a military commander is not that far fetched to me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, especially if you consider it a holy war, right? Yeah. This is just an extension of who I am and what I do. So yeah, it makes a lot of sense, but yeah, I don't know if you, I don't know if you're just, you know, Joe average Minbari in the warrior mm -hmm. cast and all of a sudden you get a hankering and you're like, I'm going to go to the, to the monastery. Be a be a monk and do the religious thing. Like, I don't know if that's even a yeah. an option. I would think not. Here's a here's another question. Does it say anything about Membari culture that somebody who was born of both castes ascends to the role of high priest? And right at a time we can assume, you know, ten years ago, eleven years ago is when the Earth Membari War started. But prior mm -hmm. to that, you had the the Dilgar with Deathwalker and all that. Like there was just a the, the Narn and the Centauri, like there's a lot of war yeah. going on. Yeah. So it was kind of like, well, Hey, I, I, you needed someone who was the best of both. But I think a lot of that, I think it was, I think the Branmer 
rose from that. It was Ducat who was leading the charge prior to all of that. And we don't know anything. We don't know much about him yet. Like at all. All we know is that the soul hunter didn't get his soul. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we learned today that wasn't it the death of Ducat that kicked off the war Yeah. or was it the death of Ducat that ended the war? It started it. And yeah, Garibaldi was like, Hey, that was a really unfortunate mistake. That was, that was not, you know what? Well, mistake or not, it led to this holy war. Yeah. 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 So who was to caught? Yeah. Was he of one cast yeah. with it? Anyway, yeah. all of that. So let's get it down to the end. They, they, we just, we realize what happens with the lens. She's the one who's behind it. By the way, we see the vision that young little Alyssa got out of her mind. And you see these people, like I immediately went like, is that the great council? Oh yeah. And then like, I'm looking and I'm like, neither one of those two are Delin. is this. And they have like these little flashy crystal things, which freezes people that were little trying little pyramids. Right. And they freeze people. And like, you could just walk in and like, Whoa, that's, that's weird. They flashy thing them, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. So to fast forward through all that Naroon and Sinclair are meeting, they're going through that apology. And Sinclair says, a line that I don't think anybody but DC Fontana could have wrote, uh, could have written. I'm sorry. He said he says, "What is it? Let the let the warriors praise him as the the ascended god or whatever that they think he is, and then let everybody else praise him for what he really was, a man of peace." Yeah, and oh, oh, and he says this before he says, "We fought long enough. Maybe it's time we start talking." Wow. Yeah. 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 Uh, because there's a there's an interesting thing that happens. What does it look like when two opposing generals finally meet face to face after the war? Right. Yeah. We got a taste of that with Narun. Narun uh-huh. wasn't the general, right? But he was he was attached at the hip yeah. to Branmer, and so this this was our version of that. And Sinclair being able to just say like the end when he said, I'll, "Look, I'll I'll send a message from me as as Commander Sinclair." From the Battle of the Line and from the commander of Babylon 5. I'll say what a great guy and great leader this person, this person. Yeah. You, would, you would do that for us? Well, yeah. 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 That was, that was good. You do that too. I mean, I, I mean, Jeff, can you get any more Star Trek than that moment right there to avoid further escalation and to avoid getting back into a war and just to show respect that I have for this person, for who they are and what they've done, me as this guy. I'm going to do that because it's time that we start talking. Yeah. Well, let's Brent, let's, let's do it right. We're at that point. Let's boil this down. Let's talk about the star Trek message in this. You've already started. So I'll hand it to you. We, uh, we rate the show, how star Trek it was. And that doesn't mean like star Trek, you know, it's like, what's the message, uh, hope for the future. The, the, the mirror that's held up to us, the lesson for us to learn. We'll rate it zero to five deltas. Brent, why don't you wrap up your, uh, your thought there? Yeah, I'm going to give it three and a half deltas. Three. I'll start right okay, there. Okay. Three and a half deltas is is where I'm going to go because of what I was just saying. That whole, we fought long enough, it's time to start talking. I, the the whole, like, the package that it's wrapped in could be any show. Uh-huh. It doesn't have to be Star Trek. Like, it could be any show whatsoever out there, you know. But to to go through that, and then there's most of it felt more like an information dump. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like let's move this bit along, but to, to see the bit of Mimbari culture where they're going to take care of those who serve and there's no concept of worrying about people who are abusing the system. 
that is holding up a mirror or, or not. I'm sorry, not holding up a mirror. That is giving us hope for where we could be. We could do this. Yeah. There is a bit of holding up a mirror of going, Hey folks, you're not this. How about we take care of those who take care of us and live a little more altruistically here? There is that because it, it held up a mirror to show us what we were not. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Definitely gave us hope of what we could be. But then, I mean, you, it's so Captain Picard. It's even, it's Kirk. It's, Kirk. it's all of them. Mm-hmm. It's all of them. We're going to talk this out and I'm going to, I'm going to take this step forward, right? Yeah. I'm going to make this step. I'm going to send this letter. I'm going to send this, this announcement from me, the, the, the captain of the flagship of the Federation, or in this case, yeah. Commander of Babylon five. Yeah. So all of that stuff feels so very Star Trek to me. That's where I'm going to give it a three and a half. I don't, I don't feel like it's just right up that alley, but I, it's more than halfway for me. Like it, it's there. Yeah. Okay. How about you, Jeff? I agree with absolutely everything that you said. I, I just think, I think that the humility that both Naroon and Sinclair showed to each other in that, mm-hmm. well, frankly, that Sinclair showed the whole time, you know, I think right. he made some really snide comments to Garibaldi or Delenn, but that's because he had relationships with them. When he was with Naroon, he was respectful. He, 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 he showed humility and he didn't have to at any point. I mean, he could have turned them away. The, the, the episode started with that conflict. You know, your gun ports are open. This isn't our procedure. And and then he was like, hey, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll play your game. And it was really that whole thing where he saw the bigger picture and the greater. Right. He understood that he and Babylon 5 are the last best hope for peace. Mm-hmm. And that meant that he had to kind of step step down, be powerful by stepping down. If that makes sense. Right. Like, yeah. 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 I thought it was great. I, I loved, um, I said earlier, Ivanova problem solving, right. You know, like looking for options for, uh, for, for Alyssa. I thought that was great. I loved all the Minbari stuff and how they treat their telepaths. My only problem. So I started it at four deltas. I'll tell you that right mm-hmm. there. I started at four. I also have on here three uh, and a half deltas for mine. I, I kept waffling between three and four and I was like, ah, it's all three and a half. But the reason I was waffling and dropped it from the four was the scene where Ivanova was trying to talk Alyssa out of the Narn. And Mm -hmm. I just felt that she had so many biases and racist thoughts about the Narn that she was just dumping onto this kid where she's like, did you know, like they, they, they have slaves and they do this horrible. We don't know that. Like these are assumptions and she's dumping them onto the, she's taking her thoughts and her biases and dumping them onto the kid. And uh, right. not okay, but I think this was a great, great episode with some great messages that just to me felt uncomfortable and weird. And I don't want to watch again for that, that reason, but three and a half deltas. That's it for legacies. That's it. That's it. Whoa. All right. We're through it. Next week. We're going to be watching a voice in the wilderness part one mm. for the first time. So this poses us with a quick, normally this is where we play our game and we guess what the next episode is going to be based on title alone. But before we get there, or if we even get there, there's a two parter. Um, okay. I'm not sure how, do we want to do it? Like part one, one episode, part two, the next week, or do we want to combine them or, I, uh, you know, Jeff, that's a great question because it, it really depends on what kind of, I don't know, like what kind of like two parter it is. Like, yeah, yeah I think, like, cause 
sometimes you have a two-parter that like, frankly, the two episodes are very different episodes. They're just connected by cliffhanger. And then other times you have two-parters where it's literally an episode just split over two weeks, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I don't know, you know, like, like if we do best of both worlds, you can't do those as a two-parter together. Like you have to, like, you've got to get right up to that point when Riker says fire and then you got to stop and catch the person's reactions. And then you go watch it again. Like that's just kind of how you need to do that. Pretty much every other two-parter throughout all of Star Trek, you can just watch them side by side. So I, I don't know what that is, but here's what I would suggest. And this isn't going to be good for the folks out there listening to us. So, but I think we need to reach out to our sort of unofficial guides through Babylon five, Good idea, uh, John, and maybe even Norman who wrote in earlier. Uh, we need to reach out to them and, and we can ask them specifically, you know, they've, they've helped us be able to navigate this. And I just say, we reach out to them and figure it out. It's a good idea. So no answer for those. Yeah, right. Hey, here's the, Hey, we're Babylon fiving everybody. Here's the question. No answer. There you Tune go. in next time and see what happens. <laughs> right. But based on the title, Brent, a voice in the wilderness. What do you think it's going to be about? A voice in the wilderness. One crying out, make straight the path of the Lord is what that calls back to mind. So I feel like this has to be, I think this one has to have religious overtones because that's, that's immediately where my mind goes. And it's somebody who's, preparing the way for something that's about to come. We know we're getting towards the end of the season, right? Mm-hmm. And we had this whole thing about the religious cast and all this stuff. So I think this might be another Mimbari episode. Okay. And I think that this might be like a, like a, a prophet of some sort comes on the station. And like this person is warning, warning of a future war to come or something like that. Or, or like a, like a, a, Somebody giving you like a, hey, be careful because this is about to happen. Like the station's going to explode, kind of like Lady Ladeer or whatever her name was said in Signs and Portents, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like a Professor Trelawney kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Only like legit. Uh, so that's that's my, you know, but I I totally think it's going to be like some John the Baptist looking dude, like coming in, eating, you know, dressed in burlap and eating his own flies and, you know. Uh, all weird and wild and that kind of stuff. So, oh, but, I need no birthing. I will stay where the Lord provides. Right, yeah. right. But I don't know whatever that looks like. But I think it's a Mimbari. So whatever that looks like in Mimbari. <laughs> okay. I uh, I was gonna say this is uh, I'm with you on the religious connotation. Totally. I okay. want this to be the callback to believers and somehow like the comeuppance from oh that leads the fish to people. No, no, the uh, the 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 Sean, the, the kid that got killed. Is that believers? Yeah, yeah, the kid. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah the fish because they have the air bladders. Okay, yeah, yeah. Like, okay, fish have air bladders. Yeah, yeah. Right? I call them the fish people. Okay. The great eggs. Yeah, yeah, great egg. Exactly. I think we're going to be coming back to that. We're going to find out here next week whether it's one or two parts. We'll be here one way or the other. Thank you so much for joining us. If you're not subscribed to us on YouTube, subscribe. If you haven't gone onto Apple Podcasts yet and left us a five star review. Please do so, and you'll get one of these. Oh, yes. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast, anywhere else. And until next time. Jeff, Jeff, remember, we said we were going to do this a little different now. Zabagabi, 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 Zabagabi. Yeah, you talk like a Mimbari. You know, there's nothing more annoying than Jeff. He's right. It's my first time.